Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you are about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about the habit of mindfulness is futurist and what, in my words, super achiever, Jamie Metzl. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, lady. Uh, thanks for being here. Well, let me introduce you first that you've done so much. I mean, you truly are a Renaissance man and super achiever. And so Jamie is a technology futurist, an entrepreneur, an author with a secret second life as a cacao shaman. Jamie will talk to us today about the keystone habits of mindfulness and gratitude. And the vehicle is his morning ritual of hot chocolate. I cannot wait to hear more about this. Um, Jamie is also an extreme athlete and he will share with us how the habit of hot chocolate can make you two happier. Jamie Metzl is a leading technology and healthcare futurist, geopolitical expert, novelist, entrepreneur, and media commentator. He's founder and chair of the global social movement, One Shared World, and an Atlantic Council senior fellow and Singularity University faculty member. What you may not know is he's described by some as the original COVID-19 whistleblower. He was among the first to call for a full investigation into pandemic origins in early 2020. Jamie previously served in the U.S. National Security Council, State Department, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and as a human rights officer for the United Nations in Cambodia, and was a member of the WHO Expert Advisory Committee as a human genome editing from 2019 to 2021. And there's so much more, but you also had a recent bestseller among of your other works called Hacking Darwin, Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. So I'll let you tell us about your um, your your bio or more about you of your robust background as we talk in the show. But first tell us you have so much, you know, history of what you've done. You've created so much in your life and you're so young still. And tell us what you're working on now. So first, thank you so much, lady. Really happy to be here. And thank you for calling me a Renaissance man. And what I always say- <laughs> I mean that with is, all the love I no, say it with. Please no, no, know I, that. I, I, no, no, I, I, I hear you. And what I always say is during the Renaissance, uh, like 99.999% of everyone was shoveling, actually shoveling manure. So the question okay. isn't, were you around in the Renaissance? It was what was your role in the, in the Renaissance? So, <laughs> well, you anyway, weren't shoveling manure, but who yes. Knows, who knows? Who knows? So anyway, again, really happy to be uh, here with you. Uh, right now, you mentioned um, uh, my work with uh, One Shared World. As, and as I see it, the biggest challenge uh, we face in the world today is this mismatch between the nature of the biggest problems in our world, uh, like climate change and pandemics and spreading nuclear weapons and so many other things. And those problems are primarily, those big ones are common and global, but we don't mm -hmm. have a way of addressing that entire category of problems. We have what, what I call, people call a collective action problem. Uh, and so that's what One Shared World is all about, is saying, can we do a better job of looking at the superstructure of how our world is organized? Because only then will it be possible um, to sufficiently address 
it's the manifestations, these problems that, that are so far unsolvable. And then the flip side of that is we're starting an initiative. So the, the problem in the world today is we have these legacy systems like the, the modern nation state and the United Nations mm-hmm. that were created um, to solve previous problems, but they aren't sufficient for addressing the problems that we have today. And then we have another part of our world where we're just beginning to build a new world that we'll all inhabit in our future. And that's the, the metaverse. So mm. we just started an, an initiative to organize a constitutional Congress for the metaverse to say, well, in the beginning of this world, in the very, very beginning, well, what will happen if we bring together people of all different kinds of, uh, of backgrounds and say, what should be the core principles that guide the development of the metaverse so that we don't wake up 10 years from now and say, wow, the metaverse is totally controlled by corporations and our rights are, are, are limited. Let's articulate what are the principles now and then say to our governments and to, our, uh, and to the companies and others that we as consumers, as future inhabitants of this world, these are the principles that we would like to see realized in this world. And as we move forward, we're going to measure your progress against these, against these principles. Yeah, it's sort of like having like um, a, a global conference for values, right? What do we value yeah. as human beings? And we are on this small planet, you know, spinning around the sun. So it is important to think of us as one as one thing. Yeah, which brings us to mindfulness, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, everything comes back to mindfulness because um, what is a community? What is the world? It's a bunch of individual beings, not just humans, but for us, every day is a choice. Every moment is a choice. Um, but how can we make the best choice if we aren't aware of who we are, what we are and where we are? And that's why mindfulness really must be the foundation for everything else. Yeah. Can I just repeat that? If we don't know who we are, where we are and what we are, I think that's just so poignant because it is sort of brings us back to sort of like the very basics, right? And we forget the basics and we forget we're all human and we forget we're all again, like sitting on this rock, spinning around the sun. And, and as, a, as a result of that, things get, get messy. it's so so true and and we all have path dependencies you do one thing and then that makes it more likely you'll do a next thing and you know a next step based on the first step and that's normal and that's just how how physics works Um, but it's easy to get lost if we just kind of start wandering without being just very conscious about the choices that we're making and how we're, we're living our lives how we're treating the people around us it's easy to get lost. It's easy to wake up a week from now, a year from now, a decade from now, and feel estranged from ourselves and to kind of wonder, well, how with the values that I had, let's make it 10 years ago, how did I wind up in this place that feels so far away from there? And that's why I just think having a level of awareness, having a self-consciousness um, will help us at least own our lives. And that doesn't mean we're going to realize every aspiration and every dream, but at least we'll be aware of the steps we're taking and the decisions we're making along the way. Yeah. And so for someone who may be listening and thinking to themselves, well, that sounds lovely, but like, what's the first step in awareness about myself, right? What would you say? Well, I would say the first step in awareness 
is just asking the question. You don't even have to get to the, to the answer. Just every morning, uh, every day, just to ask, like, who am I? Where am I? What do I want to achieve from this day, from this minute, from this meeting a friend for coffee, from this walk, really anything. And, and um, you know, it, it's kind of a cliche, but a lot of people are writing mission statements for themselves which is I'm kind of torn because it's like, it's like seeing yourself as like some corporation and like, we're going to make the best French fries and yes, Dakota. but it's very Stephen Covey, right? It's yeah, 57 yeah, yeah, habits yeah. of highly effective people, no, which think, wasn't you know, written in this decade, <laughs> but, but I think it's a good idea. And whether it's written as a mission statement or it's just some reflections of who do I want to be? Um, I think it's really important. Um, and then again, it doesn't, nobody has answers to anything. I mean, this is about a process and, and nobody is perfect on day one. Nobody is perfect on day N. Um, everybody is just striving. But I think that, that one uh, is to, to have a, just a little bit of a process and it can be structured or unstructured just to say, well, how do I want to live my life? Who do I, what's the person that I want to be? If I was um, you, uh, looking back just before my death, you know, much, much later. And I was saying, and someone says, well, how did you live your life? And you say, well, here are the principles that I lived by. I wasn't perfect, but this is what I was striving for. Like try to answer that question now. And then every mm-hmm. morning, just to have just a little check-in, a little reminder about, um, the, your day. And, and it, I mean, it's, it, again, it all, this all sounds so foofy and yoga and new age and whatever, set your intentions for the practice. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to be foofy. Um, but I just think that it's, it's so easy. And especially, especially as our lives get complicated with kids and jobs and turtles and whatever, whatever complications people. <laughs> turtles. Have. Yeah. Exactly. No turtles in my house. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> but I just felt like I would, I would break from the mold yeah. of dog, dog, dogs and cats to be inclusive. Um, but as a matter of fact, there was a, where did I see it? Maybe it's the New York times. There was a thing about a woman uh, uh, who had gotten married to this guy and then her pet turtle, which was huge, was like the flower turtle. And so when they walked down the aisle, it had to be literally at, at, uh, at turtle speed. Maybe that's why I said it. But um, I mean, yeah. I just worry about it. Just, 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 just to put a pin in that for a second. Yeah. I worry about, you know, if, if you had a pet turtle that someone in, in my house, everyone's sort of running around, you know, with yeah. sports and that someone would step on it. You know, so this was a this not was a mindfully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this was a big turtle, but yes. No, but imagine if she had not had a turtle, but like a hermit crab, then yes, exactly. Like yes, yes. Eighty percent chance that would have happened. <laughs> we digress. Anyway, yeah. back to setting your intention for your day. Yeah, yeah. And so mindfulness. Set, set, so I would say so me, it's setting an intention in the day. And then at the end of the day, doing an evaluation of your day. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've been, I've kept a diary for many, many decades and it's not, my entries every night aren't that long, but it's just kind of like looking back at the day, looking at, at, at the next day. I just think that, that if we don't regularly have, uh, if we don't have a way of regularly checking in with ourselves, it, it's easy to kind of spin. Um, and, and again, even if we do check in with ourselves, that doesn't guarantee any other outcome, but at least it, it guarantees that we'll have a process and, and a mindfulness. Yeah. So last night, actually, I realized I hadn't, I do the critical three every morning. So 
for listeners. And it's just three things I want to get done before 10 a.m. And it's just my to-do list. I don't, I take everything in small steps. But last night I realized I hadn't done that. And I actually went back and did this practice of writing three things that I thought I'd done well. And it was actually just what you're saying, but it was interesting because I don't do that normally at night. And it actually was kind of like a reverse to-do list, like the three things I was most proud of that I did. One of them was reading with my daughter and one of them was playing a game with my son or whatever it was. And they were very different from like the to-dos that sort of we put on ourselves in the morning because it is sort of a mindfulness reflection. But I just want to go back a second. Um, you know, during COVID, and since you were the COVID whistleblower, you know, this I, this sense of time, you know, wasn't checking in with myself enough. And I don't know for listeners if anybody had this experience, but time got kind of warpy right? Like this past two years has gone by and it sort of felt like five minutes and 10 years at the same time. And so I think what you're saying, or I hear you saying is that in order for us to sort of have agency of the like, um, be able to, you know, have some time stamps in our lives, this idea of like checking in with ourselves at least gives us sort of more of a sense of the time that's passing and that we're doing it in a way that we feel confident about and is graceful and, you know, we're proud of, and we're not going to have regrets when we're 90 on our rocking chairs. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, and I think for most of us, that's what these lockdowns have done. There's like this blob of time. Uh, yeah. there, weren't, there weren't weekends or weeks. Uh, we were sitting in front of these computers and we were doing it for work and we were doing it for socializing and we were doing it for, for everything. And so there was just this blob of, uh, of time uh, in the, the same kinds of, uh, of spaces. And that's why in those kinds of contexts, having the rituals, having just, and they don't even have to be called rituals, um, but just having processes so we, we don't just um, lose track of ourselves. It's so important. It's so important in, in daily life. And I think that for a lot of, I mean, there are some people who are in this world already, and then they have all their little, you know, chakra things and, and whatever. I think we're, we're not most, speaking to them. No, I know. <laughs> most, most people aren't. I mean, most people are people who are just kind of waking up. They've got whatever the, the complications of their lives, kids, pets, jobs, and they're just lucky to feed everybody and sleep a few hours and maybe exercise if they, uh, if they can. And so like, I think the thing of, of, if we over fetishize what this process looks like, it ends up excluding a lot of people because people think, well, I don't want to do kind of my morning sun salutations and chakras (laughs) and and have my little crystal bowls. And and I think most people, it's just, so I'm not saying people have to do that. I'm just saying just like a mindfulness. uh, And I think it's what you're saying also, lady, just kind of like, a mindfulness and a check-in, like, who do I want to, who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I want that sense of my best self to be manifest in my actions and over the course of my day and through my uh, relationships? And then am I kind of, it's like the game you play when you're a little kid, when you clap your hands, getting warmer, getting colder. Um, Am I getting warmer? Am I moving in the direction? And I think that if you, if you do that, uh, if we all do that, there's just a fighting chance um, that will um, will own our lives a little more. Uh, our lives will feel familiar to us. And if we don't do that, then I think there's a real risk for all of us that our lives start to feel a little bit unfamiliar. There start, starts to feel there's a mismatch between where we who we'd like to be and who we are. The where 
you know, there's, there's so many things that we just don't control in our, in, in our lives, but who we actually had, have a lot of influence over. Yeah. We have no control over the external world, just the internal yeah. world. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, well, when I met with the Dalai Lama, I've met with the Dalai Lama multiple times. And um, I mean, it's uh, again, cliche, Dalai Lama is a cool guy. Um, but what he's a very was, happy guy. Yeah. Oh, so he is so funny. Cause like the, the first time I met with him, it was a group of like six or seven of us. And we met with him for an hour and we just sat in a, in a circle. And I was the leader of the group. It was in, in Dharamsala. And he'd say something, then he'd put his hand on my shoulder and he'd kind of lean toward me and he'd start giggling. And then I would start giggling and I didn't, I didn't even know why I was giggling, but it was his happiness was so infectious. It is. And it, just, yeah. and it was just incredible. And, but what he said was, and this isn't the first time your listeners will have heard it, is you should never worry um, because... Um, if you can influence something, why worry about it? Start working to fix it. Mm -hmm. And if you can't influence something, why worry about it? You can't influence it. It's so simplistic, right? And this idea that that we have agency over sort of our internal worlds, right? What I was saying, but not our external worlds. And and to me, you know, happiness is a frou-frou word, but meaning or purpose or agency or whatever you want to call it, to me, this idea of being relatively unbothered, which is how I define happiness, um, this inner feeling of contentment comes from, you know, really cultivating your inner game and, yeah, no, and I, letting go of the external game because we yeah. just can't focus yeah. on that. Go ahead. I agree. But I, I actually, I, I definitely think we need to focus on our internal game, but I actually think that we can influence the world around us. But yeah. We just need, we, we can't put too much pressure. I mean, I'm, I told You're you, an influencer. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to shift. I mean, the, the task I've taken for myself is, is it's by definition impossible to address the global collective action problem. So it, it can't be fixed, certainly by me. Um, and so, but I do think that we can shape the external world ar- around us. But I think that w- in my mind, what we, we shouldn't do is make our happiness contingent upon uh, changing that other world. So I think the process of trying to make the world a better place and and having successes along the way, big and small, in my mind, that's also part of the the happiness equation. That's a great point. And and certainly like as we sort of um, can manage our internal world better, we have a greater effect on the external world, right? Because our our energy then is such and sorted that we can then go out and create, you know, change that we might even think is impossible, but truthfully, everything's possible as if we think it is to some degree. Yeah. And if we um, come together, um, something that may be impossible for us individually is possible for us collectively. Mm. And that's why community is so important. And that, but then when we're trying to say, well, what's the thing that I want to do in this world collectively uh, unless you're like an authoritarian cult leader, um, which is a great job if you can get it. Um, <laughs> but, if you can but, get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, then what you need to do is kind of like negotiate. You have like what you're trying to achieve to realize you, but somebody else may have something that's adjacent to that. And then how do you negotiate with them so that you can together drive greater change than, than you would have been able to do on your own? And that's why human beings, um, I, I, the, in the uh, the Buddhist and Hindu tradition, there's a path. There's a sense that the path to happiness and fulfillment 
is ultimately on your own. And that's the idea mm -hmm. of you go into the forest and you reach nirvana and it's, it, it's an individual act. Um, in the tradition that I come from, uh, Judaism, uh, that's not possible. The reason why with a, I'm a, a Jewish, uh, Jewish atheist with Buddhist leanings, uh, who isn't? <laughs> Who isn't these who days? Is, who isn't? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but in Judaism, there's the idea of a minion, which traditionally it means 10 men, but it, it means community that in order to fulfill some of your obligations, you can't do it alone. You need to be in a, in a community to do some of the, the, the things like the, the, the traditional food with kosher, you can't do it on your own. You need to be in, in, in a community. And so I think that, that yes, there is, I mean, there's a wonderful tradition about the happiness that can be achieved on your own. And I, and I definitely believe in that. Um, but there's an element of happiness that can also be best achieved in community. And then mm -hmm. I think and those two things are connected because the more in touch we are uh, with ourselves, I believe, the better able we are to connect with other people, again, jargon alert, alert in an authentic way. Um, and, and I think that that's, the, that's why those things are, are, are connected. And, yeah. and I, I certainly believe that if we don't, if you're just um, about the community, it's easy to get lost in the community's identity. And if you're just about uh, yourself, even though it can be very beautiful, I also think there's something lost. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're social beings, right? And we definitely felt that via during COVID. And even to go back, you know, to our primal times, we are tribal beings. So our sense of belonging is important for our own survival, right? If we were cast out of yeah. the tribe, we yeah. couldn't survive, you know, if we lived in the Sahara, for example. Yeah. We don't anymore, but we're still wired that way, right? Yep. So brings me to the internal game of morning routine. So tell mm. us about yours, because I think that this is a keystone part habit for happiness is to have some semblance of quiet or whatever it is for you. It could be five minutes before yeah. the world wakes up and you get, yeah. you know, put into the blender of your day. Yep. And I know so, this is going to lead yes, to our beautiful. I have a lot to say on this one. Um, so I, I, I'm going to have to give a, like a little bit of a longer background. Of course so you take it away. Okay. Well, as you know, as you said in your in your intro, I have a morning hot chocolate um, ritual, which I but I need to give a little background. So one, just like many people, I've always loved um, chocolate, um, and uh, just my my uh, goddaughter, who actually I'm just going to see uh, next week in in Boston. When she was graduating from high school, I went there. Uh, I went down to uh, to Boston to um, for the the graduation, and then as um, as we were leaving, my goddaughter gave me this uh, this little bag with a gift for for, for me, and uh, and I was kind of surprised to get a gift. And she goes, "Oh, we got this for you." And we remember what you told us. And I, like, as I say so much shit that <laughs> just be totally ignored. And I, and I, I was like, oh my God, what did I tell you? And then, and then she goes, yeah, we remember what you told us. Milk chocolate is for losers. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was only invented in the past hundred years. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they, gave me, they gave me dark chocolate. So I've always loved chocolate. Uh, when I was in Berlin a number of years ago, I was speaking, giving a keynote uh, for a tech conference called Tech Open Air or TOA. 
And I was supposed to, in the first night, I was supposed to give a talk in this kind of big restaurant, but somebody had screwed up the reservation and the, they thought the reservation for the room was confirmed, but it, it wasn't. And so I had this free night. And as part of this conference, they had a list of uh, different, just different things that were happening in Berlin that we could attend. I looked through it. And one of them was this thing called a sacred cacao ceremony, which I'd never heard of at that point. And I thought, well, geez, I love chocolate. That, I'm in Berlin. Let's go check it out. So I went there. Um, and just when I walked in, I, I met this lovely woman who's now a close friend of mine, a Romanian um, performance artist. And so we went to this. She was on her way to this, this ceremony as well and um, got there. Um, and then there were these kind of like hippie guys with tattoos and long beers and they had their cacao. They had their little crystal bowls. Uh, we sat I'm just down. thinking, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm just thinking the closest cacao plant is not even like on the continent. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. That's globalization. Um, and anyway, so we sit down and, and they describe this ceremony and we take the cacao and mindfulness and whatever. And so so we sit there, they bring us these little, uh, little cups with the cacao and we, and we drink and it's just basically chocolate. Um, and, and then they say, all right, now we're going to get up and everyone is just going to slowly swirl in a circle. And so we did that. And I, I had to go cause I had another event. So I wasn't able to stay for the whole thing. And so when I left, it was just a bunch of people who drank some chocolate milk and they were just slowly twirling in a circle. The next I'd invited my <laughs> new friend. I'm laughing with you. Yeah, you know, no, no, no. The, the so twirling the next, in the circle got yeah, me. Exactly. <laughs> so the next morning, uh, I'd invited my new friend to come to this uh, conference to hear my, hear my talk. And so the next morning, I said, well, how was it? And I thought that she was going to say, oh, it was fine. We twirled in a circle. And then you know, people recited some poems and, and whatever. Um, but she, she said, well, here, I'm going to show you the pictures. And holy shit. I mean, it was insane. I mean, it was like all these people, almost all of their clothes were gone. They were kind of sprawled out, massaging at each other. I mean, it was just absolutely insane. I said, hold on a second. So it was chocolate milk and spinning in a circle. This sounds like eyes wide shut. Unleashed. I mean, it's just <laughs> insane. And so then um, at the end of the conference, in the conference, there was a cacao ceremony. There was, it was, that was much more of a, of a buttoned up affair. And I stayed for the, the whole um, cacao ceremony there. And it was, but it, it, they had ingredients. Like you take the cacao, you have mindfulness, there's movement and, and all these kinds of things. So when I came back to the United States, I thought one, how cool a sacred cacao ceremony. I want to do that, do more. Two, I'd like to lead these ceremonies and then three, I think I can do a much better job than even these people in, in Berlin. So that was my, the goal I set for myself. So I thought, well, how do I get accredited as a cacao shaman? And believe it or not, there is no official accreditation authority for the cacao shaman, for cacao shamanism. So you want to be a cacao shamanism. Yeah, just, this, is, this is an open opportunity, hang a, listeners. Hang out a, hang out a shingle. Um, and so I started, I trained, and then I started doing it. Like when I would, I'd get invited to speak at tech conferences, I, I've become actually the official cacao shaman of Singularity University Exponential Medicine. Um, and when I'd get invited to speak at, cacao, at uh, tech conferences, I'd say, well, I'll give your keynote. Um, but I also want to do a cacao ceremony at the end of the, at the, end of the night. And people just, I mean, people just love it. And, and the, the theme 
of the ceremony is it's just mindfulness. I mean, what I always mm. say, you've come to a sacred cacao ceremony. There's no such thing as sacred cacao. There are no sacred plants. There are no sacred animals. There are no sacred mountains. There are no sacred people because nothing in the world is sacred unless we believe it's sacred. Yeah. And and unless we attach meaning to it, yeah, right? Exactly. Like ayahuasca or turtles. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> but if, um, but if we attach meaning to it, then everything is, is sacred. So it's not like you, you kind of live your life and everything is sacred except for the magic sacred mountain and the magic yeah. sacred. But what it's, a beautiful so, way to live your life that everything yeah, is sacred. Everything right? is sacred. And so, and yeah. I said, but then we have just for cultural and historic reasons, just different things that we, that, that are shortcuts for us just because other people have treated them that way. So if everybody mm -hmm. thinks a mountain is sacred, and we kind of say, "Why? Well, well, I'm going I'm to allow this mountain to be sacred, also for me." It makes it a little bit special if we say, "All right, but for me, this other mountain is sacred." Well, that that becomes our sacred mountain. It, like, there's no. It's not about the mountain. It's about you. And yeah. um, uh, anyway, and so the, and then with these ceremonies, my my belief is you don't need the ayahuasca, you don't need the psilocybin, you don't need the alcohol. Everything that you, whatever you want from those substances is available in you if you just get out of your own way. And I think that ding, ding, why, ding, 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 yeah, you should yes. join my coaching business. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Everyone's like, should I do psilocybin? I'm like, well, you can yeah. do a shortcut, but there's also, this is, you know, for this is, yeah. it's a beautiful entryway into, there's yeah. no judgment. I mean, these things are yeah. beautiful for people, but all of this work, because I've done this work and I believe in this work yeah. is is internal work that can be done through yeah. meditation and mindfulness and visualization. Yeah. We can get where we want to go. We have the tools. Yeah. We just aren't using them. They're like atrophied muscles, if you will. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and, and I, in my ceremonies, people are just so liberated. Like I did one here in, in New York at Soho House and people were so, so into it that the, the waiters, the bartenders, everybody who was there in this big hall they all drop their, their stuff and just join the ceremony dancing around with. Do they take their clothes stuff. off? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, you know, I, mine are more, are more tame. Um, but, but I'm going to just, just yeah. stop you for a second. Cause Jamie, we have to go to break, but um, when we come back, we'll hear about the Soho house ceremony, as well as the power of the ceremony and how you too can find meaning in your life through a habit of mindfulness. So hang on everyone. Be right back. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow. Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about our individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. 
or check out our coaching business at Habits, the letter four, happiness.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call into 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Now, Back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. And we're back. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. We're here with Jamie Metzel talking about the power of mindfulness through a cacao ceremony. So here, tell us about, you know, for people that may have been not listening before the break, I just wanted to introduce Jamie as a futurist, serial superhuman, and also he's a chocolate shaman, has a secret life as one, and he's telling us about how we can achieve a level of mindfulness through a chocolate ceremony or other ceremony of our choice. So here, take it away, Jamie. Thanks so much, lady. Um, Anyways, yeah, so I was talking before the break about my experiences in Berlin and the ceremonies that I do, uh, but now I'll just talk about what I do every morning and how every single person uh, can do the same, uh, the same sort of thing. And, and mm-hmm. I'll give just one um, small uh, example on, on something else that I think is, is relevant here. Years ago uh, in New York, I went to a meditation training at the Japan Society, which is, is here on the east side near, near the UN. And they had this great Zen master and everybody was there um, and meditating. But the person somewhere around me, it was a little packed pre-pandemic, had left their phone on. And so while we were in, in this meditation, I'd hear this ding, <laughs> ding. And it was like, literally, I'd, I'd try to meditate and then be ding. And so then it was just bugging me. And so I started like, trying to figure out who it was. And I'd like tap somebody on the shoulder. And this is while everybody's, and I was saying like, is, is that your phone? And <laughs> everybody had the same thing. It's like, who the F are you bothering me during meditation? But because I'm in a Zen meditation, I can't act like I'm really pissed off. I have to act like I'm kind of- You could just do the Dalai Lama and just start laughing. hysterically. <laughs> above it all. And so at the end, it was just, and I mean, it was kind of ironic. And then at the end, I went to the, after the thing happened, after the meditation, I went to the, uh, to the Zen master. And I said, look, I was trying to meditate, but somebody's uh, phone was on and they, and they said, well, that's part of the meditation. And what you can do, even if you don't have time to meditate is just every time you hear a ding, think of that. It's like a gong in a meditation. (laughs) And, And this person said, you know, I have people who when they go up the elevator, every time the little bell rings for each floor, that's like a reminder to them to kind of of center themselves. And so equivalent to that uh, is for me, my just little morning ritual, I do it every morning. And because with the the, uh, pandemic, I mean, it's changing now has created kind of a a greater continuity of what our days look like than, than in the previous life. Um, so every morning um, when I'm here in New York, I have the same thing. I, I, I have my whole recipe for um, multi, it's a multi-stage <laughs> recipe. You can, I, I can send it to you after if you want. I posted it on yes, Twitter. But yes, yes. I will, I will. 
um, for, uh, for my, uh, making my hot chocolate. It takes like 45 minutes. That doesn't mean I'm working for 45 minutes, but once you get the main stuff, just simmering and, and, uh, and stirring. You know, I, I have um, to, I have to put a side note here. I met a mutual yeah. friend of Jamie's recently. We were, I was traveling in Mexico and he said, Jamie stayed or they stayed together and Jamie would wake up and it took, he said it took an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the longer it takes, the better it is. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, and, and anyway, and so it's just that ceremony for me, it's kind of grounding and, mm. um, but everybody has something that you do in, in the morning and it could be, it doesn't even have to be a drink. It doesn't even have to be food related. It could be anything. It could be changing your baby's diaper. I mean, it literally could be anything, but just to have some kind of built in structures to remind us just to pay attention. Uh, and, and I think that's what these rituals are, are for. And, and, and you don't even have to call them rituals. It's just reminders. Um, so mm -hmm. for me, I really like this cacao ceremony and it just, it, over the years, it just gets more and more uh, elaborate, but it really, it doesn't have to be that. It, it could be, how, you know, they're, they're hugging your partner every morning before you get out of bed, you know, telling your, your child, you love them, telling yourself, you love yourself. I mean, just, just little kinds of things. Um, but it's nice to have nice things become habits uh, because, mm -hmm. and frankly, when something becomes a habit, it takes less mental energy to do it. Uh, my That's why we have habits, yeah. right? Because they become like automatic software, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So my, my girlfriend in India, and she's, uh, th th that sounds like something from Avenue Q, but she's, <laughs> she's, she's, she's there now, uh, Malika, uh, uh, and, and She's, she's lovely. Yes. Yeah, I know you better. Yes. Um, and so, um, so her grandmother is 94 and they live together and then they have a thing called an RT, which they do every night, which is saying the, the Hindu prayers. And then they're just these little bells. And while the, while her grandmother says the prayers, uh, Malika, when she's home, just rings these bells. Mm -hmm. And even her, her grandmother, who's 94, who's in, you know, obviously very few people are as sharp when they're 94 as younger in, in life. But because she's been doing this her whole life, it's just kind of rote. It's like a mm -hmm. check-in, like, and then, and every tradition has that, whether it's the Muslims um, uh, praying to, to Mecca or, or, mm -hmm. or, but, but you don't have to be part of an organized religion to do this. It can just be every morning when I'm getting a drink of water, before I take my first sip, I pause for a second and have gratitude. And that's with, with Judaism. That's there's a thing of the kind of saying prayers for, uh, for everything, which, which um, practicing Orthodox Jews do like before water and food. And it's, it's just a, a practice of, of mindfulness and, and even practice of mindfulness sounds like exclusionary language. It's just, <laughs> awareness. Like it's like, we have a tendency yeah. to sleepwalk through our lives and then you wake up and it's like, wow, that day happened or that week happened. Yeah. Or, 
that's back to this happened. idea of like, like squishy time, right? Yeah. That COVID yeah. that brought to us, but also not having our lives turn out to be this blob of time, right? Because yeah. I could see, I've never had that experience until recently that COVID was this sort of block of two years that just, I can't really get my arms around it the way I can other years, right? right. And it's a little bit scary to think that, you know, 30 years could go by in my future or someone's future. And then you could look back on it and it could be that way. Yeah. Um, we want to have these, you know, even this idea of like ringing the bells at night, which is such a beautiful story. It does almost like ground us into the place that we are. So it's about coming back, you know, which sounds very woo-woo too, to the present moment and just noticing yeah. what's around you. I love that yeah. so much. So, so if someone wants to know more about cacao and, or sort of this process of chocolate, where would they start? Well, so for cacao, unfortunately, you have to just do your own research. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to no, because I wish there was one thing. Like if somebody said, well, I want to start a cacao practice. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Um, but what I will say is I'm, I'm going to share with you, lady, my recipe. And, and don't okay. do it because it's like this is some kind of mystical recipe for um, having a cacao ceremony. Just do it because you love hot chocolate um, and you think it would make you happy to have it every morning. And, and please exercise. Uh, hot chocolate is not the healthiest of things. It's the happiest of drinks, not the healthiest of. Uh, well, my, yes, my kids would argue with you, but I do have to I, say, so let me just tell you, I went to Costa yeah. Rica a couple of yeah. years ago and was with my, alone with my kids. And we were in the jungle staying in these like huts, you know, in the trees. And we actually had someone come down and do a cacao, not ceremony, but showed us, we took yeah. the plant and we went from the plant and my kids like ground, you know, the yeah. beans. And then we went and, and did the whole thing. So I drank some cacao, which, yeah. and then I was awake. It was at night. And then I was awake till like two in the morning. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I did when I got back from that trip was I went to the grocery store and I looked for cacao in that form so that I could replace my actually coffee with it because it did, even though I was awake all night, I did notice I didn't have, you know, if I drink too much coffee, which other people may experience after like cup number two, I start to actually feel kind of tired and the cacao really kept me up at like yeah. very smoothly. So I was like, this could replace that. So I couldn't find it. So I sort of dropped the idea and then you showed up back in my life. So, <laughs> so is it something it that meant, for people meant to, meant to be, could you replace a coffee habit? And so does it for people that might be wondering this, you know, Oh, it's a kid's hot chocolate. We're not talking about kids, hot chocolate, well, right? We are, we are, and we aren't. I mean, the okay. dirty little secret, I mean, definitely cacao. It's very healthy. Um, it does have uh, some stimulant effect if you take it in, in a you know, high enough dose is the upside. The downside is that raw cacao tastes like shit, unfortunately, <laughs> That which is why uh, the, the chocolate has been developed, which takes that raw ingredient. Yeah. And, and the British the just cocoa, put refined sugar in it and called it chocolate. The cocoa yes. butter and the sugar and all those kinds of, those kinds of things. So, so definitely, um, um, if you if you're unhappy with coffee and, and some people love coffee and lots of people have a morning coffee ritual and and mm -hmm. because because nothing and everything is sacred um, the uh, coffee bean is as sacred as a as a cacao bean but I I get more happiness um, out of so if you want to do raw cacao and you can find some way of preparing it that that tastes good for you it's it's a great thing and what I will say on the the caffeine. Uh, years ago, when I was working on at the White House for President Clinton, 
Um, we just, the hours were insane. I was chronically tired. And I, so I thought, well, maybe I should become a coffee drinker, which I wasn't then and I'm not now. Um, and so I did a lot of research. What would happen if I started having a morning cup of coffee like every other, most every other person on planet Earth? <laughs> And what, I, and, and what I realized was that for the first three or four months, I'd have tons more energy. Um, but then over time, I would need the coffee to get to my previous baseline because then you yeah. just become dependent upon the, the coffee. So now it's like I don't alcohol. have, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do have, I mean, I, I don't have coffee every day, but I do have coffee after when I need it, like uh, because I haven't slept or because I have some big thing I need to do. And so I take coffee, have a cup of coffee maybe once a week and I get all of the benefits. Um, and, but I don't have the, the dependence on, on, on coffee. Um, so long way of, of answering your, your question. People want to have cacao. It's a great, it's a great morning drink. Um, I like dark chocolate, um, which again, it has health benefits. Um, but I, I love, it just makes me happy. Um, yeah. and does it keep so, you awake though? I mean, that's what, I mean, does it have a caffeine? A little bit. You, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I guess I mean, I'll send you again when we're off. Yeah. I'll send you my, my, uh, recipe. Um, but it's, it's not, I mean, definitely ha- it's you know, sugar and, uh, and some, uh, chocolate in the morning definitely gives you a jolt. <laughs> Um, but it's not, it's not like as much as, as an espresso. I mean, if your goal is chasing a caffeine hit, um, you're better off maybe with coffee. If your goal is a continuous caffeine, um, I think matcha is mm-hmm. probably great mm-hmm. for that. And like when I was in, in Kyoto in, in Japan, and I have a, a friend who's a, who's a monk in one of the monasteries there, and they all take matcha and they ha- like this, they have a ritual. Um, with the matcha, how they do it, with the the brush that they uh, that they use, and again, same point. Everything uh, is or isn't sacred. Yeah, uh, I love that idea. It's sacred if you ascribe sacredness to it, and so you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be a caffeine drink. Like I said, it could be water. You could have a sacred water. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a ceremony process. Like every morning when you before you drink a water, you pause for five seconds. And just have a moment of gratitude or a moment of just saying, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to focus on how do I want to want to, to li- live my day. And then and I think with all of these drinks, like with, with water, you could just think, well, where does this water come from? I mean, it comes from precipitation in the sky. And where has this water been? I mean, it's just like. Wow, just, I love that. I mean, any awareness, and I do this in my cacao ceremonies, but where does this cacao come from? And just imagine the person who planted the seed, who watered the seed, who harvested the bean, who ground it, who flew the plane that brought the, the beans from Costa Rica or Ecuador mm-hmm. or wherever to the, the United States. You know, the, it's just like it, any awareness of mm-hmm. anything yeah. realizes how interconnected we all are. Yeah, no, I have the chills. That's amazing. And it just about, like brings up this idea of like curiosity as a wonderful grounding tool, right? For us, because it brings us back to the present moment. And, you know, you had said earlier that a lot of us sort of, we feel sort of disconnected from ourselves, right? And especially during maybe pandemic time. And, you know, most people come to me um, as a coach 
because they feel homesick for themselves. So I think that it's really poignant in the fact that we all, you know, sometimes lose like lose our own identity in some way because we're rushing through our day. And so the idea that even in the morning, whatever ritual that someone would like to pick up, whether it be a cacao ceremony or or something else, um, gives us space, right, to ground ourselves and take a little bit of inventory about what's happening around us or having some curiosity about what's coming around us so we can come back to ourselves. So we can have a day in which we're sort of proactive and not reactive, right? That's the sort of idea. And if we set the tone for our day, then we can set the tone for our life and not have squishy time. So if people want- Hold on one second. That's a beautiful um, point you made. And I wanted to make sure it's not lost. I mean, the idea of people being homesick for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's so important. It's so easy for all of us to get lost, to get alienated from what we believe is ourselves. And to find yourself, it doesn't have to be all at once. It can just be a bunch of little steps, a little pieces of, uh, of awareness, because you, wherever you go, there you are. Um, and what, where, whatever you want to be and whatever you feel you are, you just have to start stepping in the, in the direction, in that mm. direction. And it doesn't have to be, and it's scary for people because often where we are now and where we'd like to be are just separated by such a gulf, but just a little step, one step and then another step, that's the way to get there. Yeah. Baby steps still make you go forward, right? Is this idea. I had a client actually this week who was talking to, and she was saying she's goal fatigued because the Q1, right? Everybody's talking about their goals and they're setting goals for work and personal and with their trainer or whatever it is. And it can be exhausting, right? And I, I said, let's ditch the goals and let's just make a chart that every day you can check that you're just moving forward. And that could be five minutes working on it could be doing five, you know, push-ups yeah. for five minutes. It could be working on work for, you know, however long. But, um, but momentum still moves us, moves us forward, and it, it doesn't have to be measured so quite so um, quantitatively all the time. Yeah, and people are really harsh on themselves because you kind of set a goal. <laughs> That's you know, a whole other topic. No, no, yes, it's like, yes. It's like you set a goal, and then you're not making. When you set it, you're intending to do it, and then you don't do it, and then you feel. Um, well, you haven't reached my goal. And then you think, well, I suck because I'm not making progress towards it. So it almost like the setting of the goal makes you worse off than when you didn't even have, have a goal. And I think people just, just need to take it a little easy on themselves and just you know, a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit of awareness, a little bit of mindfulness. What's an extra inch that you can make moving in the direction of where you, where you want to go and an extra um, outreach to a person you love, doing something nice um, for yourself, just little, little by little. I think little is the by way little. Oh, I love that. So, Jamie, obviously, you're, you know, you're. We could talk for hours, but it, it towards the end of our show, tell us what how people can find more of you if they want you to be the the shaman at their latest cacao ceremony, (laughs) or if they want you to speak on, uh, (laughs) on, you know, world relations, or maybe on something like hacking Darwin, how can people find more of you? That's so sweet. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, if you want me to officiate your wedding, (laughs) I am with some cacao and turtles. Exactly. Exactly. No. So people want to find, I do actually do give a lot of of keynote talks for big high profile uh, uh, events. Um, but, uh, I would love for people to, the easiest way to find me is through my website, jamiemetzel.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. 
Um, there you can also uh, go to the One Shared World website. We have people from 120 countries uh, um, working together with the goal of uh, trying to build a better future uh, through mm. addressing the global collective action problem. You can sign the Pledge of Interdependence. It's connected to what we've been, been talking about, uh, about today to, uh, to join us or to, uh, or to volunteer. And you can find me on Twitter at Jamie Metzl, J-A-M-I-E-M-E-T-Z-L. Love that. And also I will share um, the chocolate recipe that Jamie's going to share with me on the Facebook group at at Habits for Happiness. And, you know, please reach out to me. Please reach out to Jamie. This idea of one shared world is so amazing. Please look for Hacking Darwin and a bookstore near you. Um, And and we could, again, talk for hours. This is so amazing. And you're just such a super achiever and a force in the world. We're lucky to have you in our small planet, (laughs) advocating for all of us. Um, So remember, everybody, the road to happiness is paved with healthy habits. And please listen next week for another riveting conversation on a powerful habit that can change your life. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.